Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to the place he was going to receive as an, an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jason, and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for, forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect has, and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was barren, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. And therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of the sand by the seashore. These all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been remembering that the land they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. But they now aspire to be a better, to be a better land, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his unique son, about whom it had been said, In Isaac your seed will be called. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, from which he also got him back as an illustration. By faith, Isaac believed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell, 
after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have the time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Their world, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commanded for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Good morning. Uh, it was such a blessing uh, just looking out at the crowd this morning to see lots of faces, uh, new faces. And so uh, God just privileging us as a church to see new people every Sunday. And you're a blessing to us to be here. And I appreciate you being here. And I'd, I'd ask for you to put our people to the test by not running off after the service, but linger here and let our people uh, meet you and, uh, and let them uh, know how much they appreciate you uh, being here. Uh, you can fill out a connection card uh, that's uh, attached to the bulletin and let us know about you being here. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to, to send you a, a, a gift to let you know how much we appreciate you being here. There's also a place on there to sign up for our Membership Matters class. It's happening next week, and that, that class is shaping up nicely. We've got, I think, five people uh, registered right now. It's always, that class always works best when we have a good crowd, and so I encourage you, if you're interested about our church, to, to sign up for that class and, and, and check that Membership Matters, and we can be in contact with you. That takes place uh, during the Sunday school hour next Sunday and for a couple of hours after church, and we feed you breakfast. We feed you lunch. You, uh, you can't beat it. Um, that is classes for anyone who is like, these people are weird. What's their deal? Uh, to people that, man, I love this place and I want to join. And everyone in between. And so uh, we encourage you that if you want to just know a little bit more about our church, a lot more about our church, that's a great way uh, to do that. I also want to make you uh, aware of a ministry need. Uh, that we have as a church. Everyone, anytime I have family or friends visit this church, you know what they always say? Man, y'all have a lot of kids. And what, what a great thing, what a great gift God's given us as a church that's just full of children. But there are challenges involved there, especially during the service when we're trying to provide uh, some care for younger children in our extended care ministry in the nursery and preschool. And uh, that ministry has been stretched, especially the last couple of Sundays after summer. Uh, our numbers have, have, have skyrocketed back up, and, and man, there's a lot of need back there. And so I would encourage you to please think about uh, helping out with that ministry during the service. Uh, it, you don't have to do it. You don't even have to 
being on a regular schedule, if you can just sign up and say, if y'all get in a bind, let me know, because there's nothing more important. Uh, there's few things more important than when people come here that they know that their children are being cared for. And so I would encourage you uh, to, to, to seek God uh, about that, 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 to pray about that, and just sign up because the need is there and God wants us to take care of our children. And that's, there's a place in the bulletin for you to read more about that and you can uh, sign up and put that on the offering plate later. Uh, we, would, we would love uh, to, to have our needs met. There's some people that are just, man, they're just troopers and they shouldn't have to be troopers. Uh, because if we spread those those needs out, uh, everyone could carry some of that load. So Hebrews 11, as was just read uh, this morning, uh, we're uh, continuing a, a short series. We'll uh, conclude it next Sunday on giving and and where our treasures are. And uh, this morning, I want to look at strangers. We're strangers and exiles for our eternal joy. The main idea I want to look at this morning is the gospel of Jesus Christ is a supreme, a supreme reason for living as strangers and aliens in this temporary life for the joy set before us in eternal life. And what I want us to do is first look at these examples. We can't hit all of the names that have been brought up in Hebrews 11, uh, but we will hit on some of them. We'll sit, hit on some themes that we see emerging from the lives of these old testament saints but the first thing i want to look at is because of the promises made the old testament saints faithfully lived as strangers waiting for a better homeland this is often called the the hall of uh, of fame when it comes to faith and we want to look at several ways that the old testament saints live but but first let's Let's acknowledge the overarching theme of Hebrews 11, and, and that is that these Old Testament saints were living as strangers and aliens for a better home, a better destination. They were willing to go through some things and, and trust God in some amazing ways because they knew that the earth was not their home, that they were waiting for a better land of what God had promised them in eternal life. Verse 13 states uh, the theme when it comes to the Old Testament saints here. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So I want to start by looking at four things that they were able to do because they had faith, and they were acting as strangers in a foreign land, heading for a greater destination, and that was to be with their God. First, we want to see that they sought God. They sought God. Verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. This reference is in uh, a mention of Enoch. And he's an interesting character because we don't know a lot about Enoch. It's not like the Old Testament is full of information about e Enoch. Here's basically what we know about him. Is he fathered some children. He walked with God. 
And then he was so close to God that God even took him before his death, took him to be with him. Now, I don't need a lot more information to to admire a man whose life is summed up in the words, he walked with God. Don't you want that to be the description of your life, that that person walked with God as they lived? May we all hope for such a great brief description of our life. But but in verse 6, we see that Enoch and those who draw near to God, it isn't just because it's the right thing to do, although it is the right thing to do, but it says that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. That when we seek God, we seek a God that is going to reward us. That, that it is the best pursuit that we could possibly have. Not just because it's right, because it's good. Because it's good for us, because we serve a God that wants to reward us. Both in this life and in the life to come, He wants to give us great things. There's much to seek in this world. There's many things we can seek after. There are many things that promise fulfillment and, and to give us great things and give us satisfaction. There is only one pursuit that will truly do that, and that is the pursuit of God, the God who rewards not just in this life, but for all of eternity. Next, we also see that they obeyed God. Verse 7, it it talks about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Now, we see that that obedience is a part of really all these Old Testament saints, but man, we we could really see it in the life of Noah because of because of what he was asked to do like that's a weird thing to be asked to do right Noah I'm going to destroy the earth so I need you to spend over a hundred years building a boat and it doesn't need to just be big enough for your family it needs to be big enough to hold two animals of 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 every kind and and imagine Noah sitting there thinking what are my neighbors going to think I'm going to be out here in a desert climate, likely, or we don't really know exactly how it was, what it was, but there would never been a worldwide flood. And so he thought, man, my neighbors are going to make fun. I'm going to have to sit here for 100 years, nailing boards, sealing this thing, and they're going to come by and they're going to ridicule me for 100 years. And yet, because he feared God, he gathered up the materials and he started to work, becoming, and becoming central to one of the greatest legends, one of the greatest stories that has ever been written, and that is uh, the great, amazing story of Noah and his boat, and God's wrath and God's grace and his deliverance. Because of a lifetime of, of because a, a lifetime of hammering nails. And receiving ridicule didn't come close to what Noah saw saw as the consequences of going against a holy God. 
We see the Old Testament next. They trusted God. For he, talking about Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham displayed amazing trust in God. God shows up and he says, get your stuff and go. Where, God? To a land I will show you. I don't know about you, but these days, if I'm going anywhere, I'm plugging it into Google Maps. I want to know every possible way I can go. I obviously want to know the fastest way I can go. I want to know what time, the time of arrival. I love riding with Chuck Flurry. If you're going over four minutes, he's going to plug it into Google Maps. So you'll know the precise minute that you're going to get there. I want to know. I want to know what the trip's going to look like. I want to know where I'm headed. And yet, God told Abraham, leave everything you know behind you and go to a place that I'm going to show you. According to verse 10, though, this this geographical region wasn't even the ultimate destination that that Abraham was setting his mind towards. I, I think this is really interesting when you look at Abraham and you look at really the entire Old Testament it revolved around a geographical region like God's gift of this land to his people and Jerusalem and all of this and it was very much the promises of God were, were tied to this particular place and yet even Abraham the person that was initially promised this land had something in mind far beyond that land and that was a city whose foundations were created by God. An eternal place of rest for those who love God. So Abraham knew that, that not only was God offering him an earthly home, he was offering him a heavenly one. Now Abraham was a man blessed. We read in the scriptures that like his flocks increased and, and he was a rich man. And yet this is not what sustained him. What sustained him was the fact that God had given him a home beyond the earth. He trusted God. We also see that the Old Testament saints suffered for God. In verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and and dens and caves of the earth. The the early church, you know, we, we tend to think of persecution. We think of the early church, but the Old Testament prophets endured all kinds of persecution as we see here in in this text we must get this right that the results of the of righteousness does not always mean good things for you sometimes it does sometimes being obedient will mean great things and other times it won't i mean imagine if if all of these people were to, to, to be able to stand before God before their time on this earth and, and were to be able to be told, hey, what's my life going to be like? 
And Abraham, God says to Abraham, man, you're, you're going to have a sweet deal. Man, you're going to live a long time, and, and your offspring are going to become a great nation. And you're going to get, I'm giving you some land that's just this beautiful land, and, and that's going to be yours for your descendants, man. Abraham, it's going to be great. And you're going to be, you're going to be faithful to me, and, and that's, that's what you're going to receive. And like this other prophet, you know, he's like, man, that sounds great, God, what do I get? And God's like, you're going to get sawn in half. Oh. Another prophet's like, man, Abraham's, man, he's getting a whole land. What am I getting? And God's like, you're going to get a cave. You're going to have nothing. You're not going to have clothes on your back. You're going to have to put on animal skins. And yet the scripture says that they were all commended. And, and some of them just received a bad deal in this life. But that, that wasn't the end. That is because of their faithfulness, they would receive something greater in the life to come that is beyond their imagination. Taking a moral stand at work, you may end up getting a promotion for it. You may end up getting fired from it because your boss is an immoral man. Catch a plane over to a radical Muslim country and preach the gospel, and man, they may, God may grant salvation to them, and you may get killed. Your family may get burned. The great sin of the health and wealth prosperity gospel is, is not in the re pursuit of reward, but always acting as if the reward's going to come in this life. Sometimes being righteous and doing the right thing is, leads to lots of suffering in this life, but like the Old Testament saints, that's, that wasn't the end. They went on and received their reward in heaven. Listen to me. If Christ... God's own Son, who was perfect and righteous, and whom He loved more than anything in this world, if, if the, the, the hallmark of His life was having no place to lay His head, and in the end, being crucified and tortured, if the Son of God did not escape suffering in this life, who do we think we are that we're going to get happiness all the time in this life? That's what Christ, Christ didn't do, didn't get. And really moving on to what I think is an even more amazing truth that this chapter of the Bible tells us is this, is that because of the promises kept, we have a far better reason to faithfully live as strangers waiting for a better home, homeland. And we read Hebrews 11 and we can't deny the amazing acts of faith of these men and these women. It is amazing what they were willing to endure, what they were willing to accomplish for the kingdom of God. We're almost envious of the faith of these men and women and, and what accompanies these acts of faith. Wow, to have a life like that. And yet, 
when we look at verse 39 and 40, we get to the main point here. And it's that, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us. Okay, this is talking about New Testament Christians, the church, those who would come after Christ. He provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Wait, what? God has has promised something better than the promises that motivated these spiritual giants. Yes, the gospel fully revealed is better than the promises of the Old Testament. They are the culmination of those promises. Even more than that, just more than just having something better, it says that they were dependent on what we would receive. It says, apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What does that mean? That apart from us, they would not be made perfect. It means that the Old Testament saints had to be brought under Christ the way we are brought under Christ. Romans 3.25 is clear on that fact that, that the lies of Abraham, that although he was a great man, he had a little trouble with half-truths, right? And, and Noah, the first thing he does after being delivered by God is gets drunk, and we don't know the whole story of what happened there, but something weird happened. We know that David, who was a man after God's own heart, was an adulterer and a murderer. And they had, according to Romans 3.25, they had to be brought under the blood of Christ. That they were dependent on this moment when Christ would come and Christ would place us all under the blood, the sins that he had left unpunished would be punished upon Christ. And so I want to revisit each of the things we just looked at, but I want to re- revisit it and, and say why we have it better. Though the Old Testament saints sought God, it is through Christ that God has revealed himself. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this about, uh, about Jews that, were, that are not letting go of, of the Old Testament. I mean, not that they should let go of the Old Testament, but they, they had not fully come to the knowledge of Christ. And it says this about them. But their minds were hardened. For th- to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to This day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Old Testament had knowledge of God, but there was a veil that rested over their eyes. Sure, they had types of Christ, they had signs, and they had rituals to point to the Messiah, but they were imperfect, which is why they faded away when Christ came. And the scriptures tell us is that no one has seen the Father, but the Son has revealed Him, has made Him 
known. We have the Gospels. We can turn and see how Christ walked this earth. What He did and what He taught. We can open the end of the Gospels and we can read the account of His death and resurrection. And it it feels like we can almost hear the crowd crucify Him. It's like as if we can almost, it's so vivid, we can see the blood running out of Him. And that is far far better than looking through a veil at something that's coming. To see it fully revealed is what we have been able to do. The Old Testament sacrifices were good and they had a purpose, but what we have this side of Christ's work is much better. The Old Testament saints obeyed God well and and we see that, but through Christ... His obedience, His obedience becomes ours. Despite the exaltation of these fine men and women, we know that they were not perfect. For most of them, we have very vivid accounts of them falling short. No amount of righteousness on their part could make up for their fallen condition. No amount of blood from countless lambs could cleanse them. They needed something more than that they needed a messiah and in him they waited but in him we find he is fully revealed to us as we read of christ's perfection as we read of his resisting of the temptations of of satan as we see the perfect way he obeyed god it becomes perfectly clear that, that we need Him, like we need His obedience. Like nothing we can do compares to the righteousness of Christ. It's as filthy rags. I need the obedience of Christ put on my account. And that just became so evidently clear as we, as we were able to read about His life and see His sacrifice and see how obedient He was that I need that because that's no where near where I am. We also see that the blood of Christ speaks a far better word than all of the new all of the Old Testament sacrifices put together. It's better than everything that they had in the Old Testament. The Old Testament saints trusted God but it is through, through Christ that God shows Himself trustworthy. St. Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. If you, if you notice in the Old Testament, God loves to show His trustworthiness. Like, he loves to, I mean, that's why most of the Bible is historical accounts, because God wants his people to know, I take care of you. The, uh, the, the feast that, that they were to celebrate was to point back to what God had done for them. They were uh, told many times to build, to stack stones and, 
and raising Ebenezer in remembrance of what God had done in this moment so that they would have faith in the future. And as great as, as great as the Old Testament actions of God were, it was not until Christ that God said, all of my promises find their yes in Him. Just like the Old Testament, He gave us a feast, right? The Lord's Supper, where we are to come together and, and to take in the elements. We'll be doing that next Sunday to to remember what Christ has done, to remember the blood spilled for the new covenant, to, to remember the body broken so that we might be made whole. And so we look to Christ and, and remember that we have a future. And we often long for something big, don't we? We want what the Old Testament saints had. If God would show up in a burning bush and talk to me, this would all be easy. Figuring out God's will for my life to, to look upon a burning bush that's not being burned and, and to have God speak through it, that would be great. God, if, if I could walk across the sea on dry land with walls of water on each side, with a well swimming through it, because that's what the movies do, does. If all that, if I could see all that, then man, this faith thing would be so so much easier. But of nothing, of none of these things, did Christ, did God ever say of Christ, or, or God never said of those things? All of my promises, this is what it's about. This is the yes. This is the yes to everything I've been doing, to all of human history, has been building up to this moment. And we, as New Testament Christians, have that moment that we are able to look back on. It's far better than an ocean parting. It's far better than a bush burning. It is the sacrifice and the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, we're not handicapped as the church of God. We're blessed beyond anything the Old Testament saints could have possibly imagined. And lastly, though the, though the Old Testament saints suffered, it is through Christ we have an example of how to suffer. Hebrews 12, 2 says, and, and it's after Hebrews 11, we know that just because the chapter ends doesn't mean the thought ends. And so it's continuing this thought. It says this in, in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the the crucifixion was the most horrific event that has ever occurred. No contest. The holy, righteous Son of God was tortured and crucified by lawless men. Nothing 
in this world has ever happened more horrific than that. And yet, no event in human history has brought as much good for the glory of God and for the salvation of mankind than that horrific event. What the Old Testament saints tell us and ultimately what Jesus shows us is that first comes the suffering and then comes the glory. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to, to us. And what a great promise that, that nothing you experience, the suffering you experience today, can, can even be compared with what's to come. I was texting from, to one of our church members a um, week before last, and they were so stressed because they were acting in obedience, they were loving people, and the more they loved people, the, the more they saw the needs of those people and how can I possibly meet all these needs, and I'm not sure which needs to meet. And they were just stressed out out of their obedience to living for God. And I was convicted because I thought that should be all of us. All of us should be giving of ourselves in such a way, and being willing to suffer in such a way that it causes us discomfort. I was convicted by this person. Like, do I have that kind of discomfort? That when we open ourselves up to love and to serve we open up ourselves to suffering to people will torture you if you open yourselves up to them and and man that's that's to the glory of god and and to your ultimate joy in conclusion i was told last sunday that i say lastly a lot and in conclusion and so whenever i say that it doesn't really mean much um i need to work on that definitely um but in conclusion what is any of this have to do with giving it has everything to do with giving not just giving our money but in giving our time and in giving our energy and giving our lives we as americans have received a life that y'all it's easy to get attached to we live uh free of a, a, a life free of real true persecution we, we have freedom to, to worship and to live our lives and go about our daily life for the most part. Most of us make a, 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 at least a living wage, and many of us do much better than that. We live in a beautiful land. Um, many great things to see, many wonders to behold. And even though this world's broken, there, there's glimpses of glory that exist and that we can enjoy every day. And it's so easy to forget that there is a land, there is a home for us beyond this life. If we know Christ, we've trusted Him, that there's a place where no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor what any mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love Him, we forget that that place exists. 
The great secret of Hebrews 11 is not, hey, look at those great Old Testament saints. Be like them. No, the truth of Hebrews 11 is, look what these men and women accomplished before Christ. Imagine what you can accomplish after Christ. If the Old Testament saints were willing to give of their possessions for the temple to be built, then how much more should we be able to to give when, when God has made us His temple through Christ? As Randy Alcorn says, you can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead when it comes to your possessions. But it goes beyond money. Our, our fifth core of value uh, as a church on stewardship, it states this uh, in that explanation of the value of stewardship. It says, God commands wise stewardship with our time, our money, our possessions, our skills and spiritual gifts in a way that trusts Him. God desires generosity with our lives and resources to the ends that we love God, we love others, we meet the needs of our church body and advance His kingdom. Do you inconvenience yourself in this life so that your capacity for joy will grow for the next life? If the Old Testament saints could see the benefit of inconveniencing themselves and suffering in this life for the joy of the next, how much more should we not no, no longer looking through the veil that they look through, but seeing Christ fully revealed, how much more should we be willing to count ourselves as aliens, as exiles of strangers in this land looking to something better in the next? Let us be willing to pursue temporary inconveniences in this life so that we can grow our capacity for joy in the next. Let us be willing to suffer now as Christ did for the joy that was set before Him. And when I say, don't, when I say suffer, I don't just mean buy a one-way ticket to a radical Muslim country. Although if I would be overjoyed if if someone from our church would do that, we would support you and we would be excited for you to, 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 to make that decision. But there are opportunities every day to suffer, to be inconvenienced. Letting people into your lives, that's an inconvenience. Care for your family moms, that. It's an inconvenience, and it's an inconvenience for the kingdom. I talk to moms sometimes, especially the mom in my house, and sometimes they feel sidelined, not being able to do as much ministry as they would like to do. But the reality is, is man, the home is so special. It's an opportunity, and, and yes, there's suffering involved, but it's, it's suffering for the kingdom as you serve your kids well and, and love them in Christ service in your to your co-workers being the the person at work that's just willing to give of himself to others it's an inconvenience it's suffering volunteering for child care at work during the service that's a form of suffering 
thing. I got four, and I love them, but the suffering that, that we're doing now is for the kingdom, for what the joy that, that comes later is. As you see those kids grow in the Lord and and you remember when they were so hard to deal with in the in child care. Get out of your comfort zone and sign up for a mission trip. Walk over the fence to your neighbor and start a relationship with them because you know they need the love of Christ. Foster a child foster an orphan that needs someone to love them adopt a child that needs someone to love them man the the list i could go on all day but we're already pressed for time what are the opportunities that god is is laying on your heart to say man i i want to suffer well i want to be inconvenienced i want to live as a stranger as an exile in this moment so that i might have all the joy I can possibly have in eternity. Randy Alcorn says this, he says, it's not necessarily sinful to invest in this world, it's just dumb. Where moth, where the Bible tells us where moth and, uh, eats it up and, and people steal it, it's not safe in this world. We store it for treasures for heaven and what's to come in, in, in your earth, in your heavenly home, the, your ultimate forever home they're safe those investments are safe and let's be people that give of our lives our money our time our all of our effort and energies into the kingdom of god please stand as our musicians come let's pray and you respond however god has has put on your heart this morning Dearly Father, God, God, we are so tempted to be at home in this world. But God, if the Old Testament saints could see it, could see the need to be invested in something more, something eternal, God, then surely those of us who have the gospel, who fully have seen you, God, surely, God, we should be moved by your spirit god we ask for your spirit to come and to to move us and guide us into discomfort into temporary strangeness and 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 being exiles god so that we might have joy in eternal life god move in our hearts this morning in jesus name i pray amen